Hello everyone, welcome back to the Black and Red Book Review Podcast. For those of you joining me for the very first time, my name is Doc. I am an active VD anarchist, street medic, and anti-fascist based out of so-called New England. And in this podcast, I read, critique, and mock far-right, white nationalist, and neo-Nazi literature. I read this shit so that others don't have to. And I, after a rather long hiatus, uh, I've been taking time off to go to resume college full-time, to continue to co-run a mutual aid organization in New London, to volunteer my services as a medic at, at uh, demonstrations and protests in Connecticut from time to time, as well as trying to uh, squirrel away medicinal herbs in my apothecary for winter. So fall is a relatively busy season for me. But I decided to return to this podcast after this hiatus to bring you a rather special treat. Uh, This is a historic occasion for the brief history of this podcast, because this will be the first non-American that I've ever covered in the course of the Black and Red Book Review. Every single author that we've covered in the back catalog so far has been an American by birth and by citizenship. So we've covered such luminaries as Greg Johnson and James Mason, and especially a friend of the pod, Harold Covington. But today, we have our first non-American. Unfortunately, he could not be reached uh, to possibly appear on this podcast, because one, we will not platform fascists here. Two, uh, his PR people were rather difficult to get, uh, a hold, get a hold of and had a hard time getting a hold of him. And most importantly, number three, because the author of today's text is dead and has been dead for a very long time, and died in a very undignified manner. Uh, so the topic of today's, te- of today's podcast, the text we will be going over together here, it was entitled The Doctrine of Fascism. And now you may think, Doc, you know, you might just be some sort of crazy radical who thinks everyone who disagrees with you is a fascist, and your being the anti-fascist is the real fascism. And besides, what even is fascism? And that's all gaslighty bullshit, except for that last question. That last question of what the fuck is fascism exactly is a perfectly valid question. Here to help me answer that question, please welcome back from the dead, just for appearing on this podcast, Mr. Benito Mussolini, the author of Doctrine of Fascism, the text we'll be covering today. Right off the bat, uh, I must say that this was the easiest read I've ever covered on this podcast. It was exactly 12 pages in length, so it will probably take me longer to summarize all of the points and notes I had on this text than it took me to actually read this text. Um, It was not very memorable, so if I had not taken notes, I wouldn't have gotten enough from it to actually justify this podcast episode. I will, however, note that it was trailblazing in a fucked up way and contemporary at the time. So the source of the translation uh, that I got a hold of for this essay was from an, an old magazine in London called The Political Quarterly, and the translator was named Jane Soam, or Soames, S-O-A-M-E-S. So Jane... Wherever you happen to be, uh, you're presumably long since dead, but thank you for contributing to future anti-fascists and their shitty podcasts. So now, uh, we must return to, according to Benito Mussolini, the now-distant March of 1919. 
Keep in mind, it was now distant for him at the time. It is even more di now distant for us now. So a meeting was summoned uh, in the pages of the Popolo d'Italia, which is the people, the Italian people magazine, basically. And Benito Mussolini had created what was known as the Fascist Revolutionary Party in January 1915. Uh, so Benito Mussolini had originally been a socialist. He uh, ended up leaving the socialists, becoming very, very pro-World War I. Uh, back when World War One sounds awesome and we should definitely get in on that shit was a hot take you could have at the time. Uh, so he put his money where his mouth was and went off and did World War One, and came back and decided that uh, socialism sucks and anarchism, which was also popular in Italy at the time, also sucks. And obviously the solution was to have more oligarchy and more government and more war. Um, which I've never been to war, but I'd imagine that that might not be my takeaway from uh, mountaintop fighting in World War One. But hey, what the fuck do I know? Uh, so anyway, uh, Mussolini uh, gave his brief little spiel about how he had created the original fascist revolutionary party. And now we can go on to the many quotes I happen to have from this uh, essay. So I'm going to sort of be going through my notes in order here. Uh, he mentions, uh, basically, that he finds the idea of working out political doctrines uh, and working on theory to be bullshit, which I agree that political theory can be snobby and boring, but I don't agree is, is fundamentally bullshit. He uh, says when he invented fascism, which he did do, keep that in mind, he says, quote, I had no specific doctrinal attitude in mind. My own doctrine had always been a doctrine of action. Fascism was not the nursling of a doctrine worked out beforehand with detailed elaboration. It was born of the need for action and was from the beginning practical rather than theoretical. So he's basically pulling his own version of that old line from Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight where Joker says, Do I really look like a guy with a plan? I'm a, I'm a dog chasing cars. That's basically what Mussolini is saying. He's saying that he wants to go do shit. And what shit he's doing, why he's doing it, what the actual strategy that he's trying to achieve is, he'll work that out as he goes, and so will his fellow fascists. This so far sounds like a great ideology and definitely a sure bet for World War II coming around the corner at the time. And now we move on to the part of this essay that I found most fascinating, which was the economics of fascism. Now, there's a lot of boring, insufferable, old Marxist writings on the economics of fascism, and I've sort of covered economics in the uh, White Nationalist Manifesto. Uh, basically, they, are, they typically come from a small business background uh, or a professional background, and so they have a deep disdain for, like, salt-of-the-earth working-class type people, but they do actually not like capitalism all that much. They view capitalism as sort of inefficient and greedy and sort of a threat to the social hierarchies that fascism, especially nowadays, definitely values more than anything. Like, if capitalism is taking women out of the home and putting them in the workforce, they would consider that to be an evil, impractical thing because they want women to quote-unquote know their place. 
uh, and they're not necessarily uh, opposed to exploitation by any means. Uh, they just think capitalism is an inefficient exploiter, and they'd rather exploit people more efficiently. That's the real problem. Quote, we want to accustom the working class to real and effectual leadership, meaning a boot on your neck, and also to convince them that it is no easy thing to direct an industry or commercial enterprise successfully. Oh no, these poor bosses, who will ever think of them? The correct answer to who will ever think of the poor bosses and landlords is fascism. So that's cool. It may be, quote, it may be objected that fascism is a return to the conception of the corporation, but it, it doesn't matter. So if, you're, if you think fascism is pro-corporate, it is. They don't care, and you're not going to own them by pointing this out in some sort of, like, John Oliver-type liberal comedian show. Fascists have no sense of humor, as we will cover very explicitly moving forward here just a little bit. Uh, they are looking for, quote, revindication of national trade unionism from the economic point of view. Now, as a unionist myself, um, I have to say that national trade unionism somehow sounds even worse than national socialism, i.e. Nazism, um, because national socialism is just, uh, it, it borrows the word socialism in order to sound popular with working people in Germany at the time, um, but Mussolini didn't have to do that. He could just make up his own term, fascism, and basically trademark it so no one else was allowed to call themselves a fascist. Um, and so he then had to sit down and work out his economic formulas, which ended up becoming national trade unionism, which sounds awful. Um, so moving on here, quote, there was much discussion, but what was more important, men died. They knew how to die. Doctrine might be lacking, but here was something more decisive, faith. So fascism is a political ideology that prizes violence above all else. It views violence and action for the sake of action as sacred and holy, and so it there's a policy in place in the National Fascist Party, which the Fascist Revolutionary Party later became, uh, and was the ruling party of Italy under Mussolini. There's basically a policy of, some of you may die, but that is a sacrifice Mussolini is willing to make. So, <laughs> so don't get comfortable, uh, because they hate comfort more uh, quite a bit. Since there was inevitably some lack of system, the adversaries of fascism disingenuously denied that it had any doctrine of its own. Fascism has formed its own and distinctive point of view. Well, okay, Benito, what exactly is that distinctive point of view you want to tell me about? Luckily for me, he immediately answered that a couple lines later, quote, a Fascism is a doctrine that is founded upon this harmful postulate of peace uh, is being hostile to fascism. So he is anti-peace. He considers, quote, this harmful postulate of peace is hostile to fascism. So fascism is the opposite of peace. So if you don't want peace, you do want fascism. And if you don't want fascism, you do want peace. Anti-fascism is pro-peace. You heard it here. 
quoting directly from Mussolini. Quote, fascism repudiates the conception of economic happiness. He's really selling himself at this point. Not only is his brilliant new political idea willing to sacrifice you, the rank-and-file fascist, and throw you under the fucking bus, but he is also opposed to the concepts of peace and economic happiness. So if you'd like to live comfortably and not die in battle or rot in a camp or freeze to death in the street or work yourself to death in a factory where you and your boss are in the same government oversaw union it's tough shit that's your life under fascism now um and i can imagine why people would take to the hills to fight it honestly that sounds fucking miserable fascism combats the whole complex system of democratic ideology and repudiates it so just to just review where we're at so far uh critics have often accused fascism of lacking a political doctrine uh, of not having a sound theoretical basis because it sounds like something Mussolini got drunk with his friends and made up on the spot. And that is absolutely not true. Fascists have, and I quote, they, uh, their own and distinctive point of view. And what is that point of view? They are anti-peace, they are anti-economic happiness, and they are anti-democracy. So... If any liberals ever give anti-fascist shit about how they're acting in an undemocratic fashion, fascists don't give a shit about democracy. They've never given a shit about democracy, and they certainly don't give a shit about free speech. They will crush you given half an opportunity, and liberals need to wake up to that fact. Now, what other things uh, does fascism happen to hold sacred? Quote, Fascism affirms the immutable beneficial, and fruitful inequality of mankind. So we have a political system here that is anti-peace, anti-democracy, right? Anti-economic happiness, and says inequality is natural, inevitable, and good. Which is probably awesome if you're the dictator of the country, because then everyone just believes that you're a million times better than they are. But it must really suck if you're a rank-and-file, like, middle-management fascist, like, at that level. That's gotta fucking suck. It sounds like, honestly, like a, a grift, like the Amway of political ideologies, which it, it was, in a large extent. Uh, and then Mussolini ends up making a few points that are actually pretty solid. I don't think he meant to make solid points by any means, but somehow it turns out that way. Quote, Liberalism is the logical and indeed historical precursor of anarchism. Liberalism in the classic sense, in the 18th century enlightenment sense. So like, you know, republics with limited government that have free speech and free expression, all the civic bullshit that Americans are taught uh, their country was founded upon. Uh, they are the, quote, historical and indeed logical precursor to anarchism which I love that. I don't consider that an insult to be told that my political ideology is based on the old principles of free speech and free expression and democracy. Um, that is true. I do value those things. I value those things more than the actual government does, and certainly more than fascists do. And I know that there are anarchists around the world who would agree with me on that sentiment. Uh, and finally, based Mussolini says something very accidentally smart. Quote, political doctrines pass, but humanity remains. 
which, while sounding like something he uttered while drunk in dictating this essay, I will point out that Mussolini was correct. Uh, political doctrines do pass. Uh, fascism did not. Fascism is still very much with us. There was, up until recently, an American fascist party on uh, Facebook that literally flew a black fascist flag on their profile picture. And you can still find plenty of equivalent white nationalist, anti-Semitic, alt-right, neo-Nazi pages on Facebook. Definitely on Twitter. Um, fascism has not gone anywhere is the point that I'm making with this episode. But I hope that this uh, short surprise episode has helped folks uh, get a brief sort of foundation in the, the principles, if you can call them that, of fascism, the aesthetics of fascism the rhetoric of fascism, and just what fascism ends up looking like in practice. So this is uh, a, su a surprise sort of impulse episode that I forgot to record towards the middle of this season. I apologize to folks. I don't know when I'll record another episode, but I will wrap up season two of the Black and Red Book of Doom podcast, probably sometime when it is cold out. So until then, this has been Doc. Uh, Go out there, get some work done, help out your neighbors, and uh, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.